a true social entrepreneur. My guest today continues to work tirelessly to help individuals and teams thrive at the intersection of success and significance. A recognized and award-winning motivational speaker, his trainings on leadership, personal growth, diversity, and service inspire and equip audiences around the world to be more and give more. He's also the founder and executive director of EduCongo, a U.S.-based nonprofit organization where he devotes energy to generating awareness and support to provide equality education for over 2,000 underprivileged children in the Congo. He and his wife, Stacy are also proud parents of two boys, Yenga and Senda. My guest is Lou Raja. I'm Aiden Nipom, and this is The Change Podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, to unpack uh, wherever this conversation takes us. I love the spirit of willingness to just go where the conversation flows. I love that. Um, Absolutely. Well, I I have some curiosities here. Uh, First thing, I I would love for you to share a little bit about what you do with EduCongo. Um, EduCongo is a U.S.-based nonprofit um, supporting quality education in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, education has been our ticket, if you will. Um, my father came to the United States in 1967 with the help of Presbyterian missionaries, and he went from Congo, Central Africa, to the College of Worcester in Ohio. Uh, my <laughs> my be mom, a difference in right? culture. Yeah, for sure. Ohio. For sure. I'm, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my mom, uh, the smarter of the two, uh, she got a scholarship in '68 that took her from Congo to Vassar College in New York. So my parents both came to America, did not know each other, and got their college degrees here. Uh, before going back to the Congo. And uh, I was born in Boston while they were having their, I mean, they were having their advanced degrees, if you will. Um, And my older brother was born and then I was born. So by birth, my brother and I are the two Americans (laughs) in the family of Congolese. And so then we went back home and I grew up there until 17. So education has always been the ticket. And the way my father puts it, when you take the elevator to the top, always send it back down for someone else. And so starting a school was our way to say thank you for our own journey, but democratizing opportunity for all. So that's what it's about. I love that. That's that's a beautiful expression. When you take the elevator to the top, send it back down for someone else. Someone else. That's beautiful. so how long have you been involved? How, when did you start EduCongo? Oh, this is uh, 2001, 2001, 2002. Uh, we had 198 boys and girls and uh, three classrooms uh, in Lubumbashi, which is the commercial capital of the Congo. But we were in the outskirts um, where underprivileged children could use the, uh, the opportunity more than anyone else. And uh, here we are, I guess, 18 plus years later, 
uh, over 2,000 students from kindergarten to high school. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's also super rewarding. That's wonderful. And is your dad involved with that as well? Absolutely. He is <laughs> everything. My father is my hero. My father is the inspiration be behind it all. Uh, and he's 77 years young. Uh, <laughs> and he's at the school every single day. Um, and uh, he's a professor at the University of Lubumbashi. And education is his jam. Uh, but he's also a psychologist, which is not good for me, but uh, <laughs> but uh, good for a lot of people. So anyway, I think this yes, is something you and I think this is something you and I actually really have in common because I'm also my work is heavily involved with my father's legacy. He's uh, he's a little younger than your dad. Don't tell your dad. Um, he's he's only seventy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and you know yeah. what? He I think he has less pain than I do like I have like dancing and jumping up and down his 70th birthday he put on some music and he was just like jumping up and down like he was at a concert it was amazing I can't do that <laughs> right 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 well I don't I don't think my dad is jumping around right now um so he's uh, he has a he has a few stories chronic pain management stories <laughs> You know, life's a journey and we all have our interesting learning, unexpected learnings. For, for me, that's one of them, um, as well as the ones that we pursue on purpose, which, of course, brings me to the topic of, of the day or of literally every podcast episode, which is this idea of change. Um, what's your personal relationship with change? Is change easy, interesting? weird, difficult? How do you feel about just sort of this broad idea? Exciting. Exciting. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, for me, change only does two things. Change can happen to you or it can happen for you. <laughs> Pick one. And I've chosen the four, not two, because when change happens to you, you're likely to be a victim and reactive, but when pain happens, uh, change happens for you, it's more uh, proactive and something that will be advantageous. And so I love difference. I love uh, going to a new restaurant. I love trying something different, traveling, uh, learning another language, any, anything that will uh, bring excitement and growth. So I, I really love change. That's awesome. Um... That being said, surely there have been changes that happened to you. Um, oh, how absolutely. do you, yeah, how do you process those? Well, dancing in the rain, Aiden, that's what we do. <laughs> Spoken like a we, real we, Oregonian. <laughs> right? We dance in the rain. I mean, life sucks. Uh, things happen and uh, you have to respond. Uh, my father always says, it's not what happens to you that matters, is how you respond that matters, right? So at the end of the day, I get just as many bad days as the next person, if not more. But the attitude um, that says, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better, right? So at the end, you still have to dance. Um, Vivian, Vivian Green, I believe, uh, is the one that said... Uh, Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. Life is about learning how to dance in the rain. And I believe that. 
Uh, growing up in the Congo, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain. We grew up under a dictator. Uh, we had a lot of challenges. I mean, we, we can do 10 podcasts for that. Uh, but again, my dad's mindset, which uh, I'm grateful to uh, him for instilling it in me, was always how you respond. So I, I don't really care too much about the things that happens to me. I care about how I would respond to it. Uh, so that way, you can always turn adversity into advantage. Um, you mentioned growing up under a dictator and being a resident of Portland, Oregon. Currently, we're experiencing um, uh, what I think might be an, a tremendous opportunity for growth and change in the country. That's how I'm choosing to view it. That being said, a lot of people um, in my social network have been talking a lot about um, dictatorship and drawing comparisons to our current leadership. And this is not a political podcast, but I can't help but wonder, as a person who lives in two worlds, as you yeah. seem to be to me, if yeah. if you have any thoughts or reactions to those types of comments um, or to what's happening. Absolutely. Um, I always say Africa gave me my roots. America gave me my wings. Um, America has challenged me in terms of my growth. Africa has given me my core essence. Uh, when I juxtapose my reality back home in the Congo and here, I see a lot of uh, room for improvement on both <laughs> sides of the Atlantic, right? I see room for improvement in the Congo. I see room for improvement in the U.S. Um, I think the American experience is really a promise. It's a promise that we work our asses off every day to live up to. Uh, we are not perfect. We were never perfect. In fact, it's more evident uh, now than ever. Uh, but the ideal, the promise of America is what you see people on the street trying to uh, uh, make sure they hold people accountable to live up to it. Mm -hmm. And that's an individual challenge. That's a collective challenge. And so when you see uh, federal forces uh, coming in and, and, and impeding on people's uh, freedoms and rights, that is a rabbit hole spiral that I don't want to go uh, into. And so I, I am always uh, on the side of the bottom, not the top. So I'm hoping that uh, the people can always uh, uh, come through and not the other way around. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I know that's tricky territory to tread in a oh. recorded setting, but uh, your comments super resonate with me, um, which is maybe not a surprise as an Oregon resident. Uh, just, yeah, when I think about what our government, how our government is currently showing up, I also see there is room for improvement in terms of fulfilling the American promise. That's a beautiful way to articulate that. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, so I invited you to tell a story. I'm excited. Um, speaking of change, speaking of pivotal moments, would you, Lou, share with us a story from your real life of a moment of pivot or change? The uh, biggest one, at least the one that really shifted um, my life, 
was uh, coming to America in uh, 1993 um, to have 17 years of my existence in the Congo uh, where I looked like everybody. Um, I spoke French, Swahili, Lingala, and Chiluba, and uh, I blended very well. Um, and then three airplane rides later, I am in Ashland, Oregon, <laughs> of all places. <laughs> I'm right? laughing because Ashland is where I grew up, and I'm very familiar with that town. My parents are still there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Shakespeare town. <laughs> and, of, and, of course, you and I. You and I were in the same class, so I'll just I'll let people in on that. Absolutely, detail. absolutely. So that was a culture shock, to say the least, uh, to find myself in this place in Southern Oregon uh, where um, I stood out for challenging reasons, uh, let me put it that way, um, and, uh, and uh, had to adjust Uh, learn a new language, um, find myself a junior at Ashton High School, uh, meeting people that looked different than me, sounded different than me, and came from a different background, and trying to learn the language and do well in school. Um, sports. Uh, sports was helpful, uh, playing soccer and playing basketball, uh, because those are all universal sports um everyone can always chase a ball uh so that brings you closer <laughs> a lot faster uh so made a lot of good friends then but uh, some of the uh, early challenges uh being back in uh, ashton oregon uh definitely uh, um, brought a heightened awareness of the realities that happen here for not only black people, but people of color. And therefore, I saw just how, how, um, how significant my dad was in my life uh, because he worked so hard to instill in me a sense of uh, self-reliance, self-love, uh, self-awareness that would help me go through a lot of my early challenges in the U.S., Because when you come to America, you have a dream, right? You have this, this, this ambitious goal and you, you're, you're, you're coming here to, to, to take your life to another level, to accomplish as much as you possibly can. And you get so caught up in that idealism that you forget the price that comes with it. Um, and, and, and so that's, that was a, that was a, cold bucket of water uh, that I got, uh, but uh, it, was, it was definitely my biggest uh, shift in my life so far coming here, for sure. And I got a job. I got my first job at Auberson's, a grocery store um, out, you know, Tolman Creek, Siskiyou Boulevard area there. Um, and uh, I was super happy to be able to contribute and help my family. And so I was bagging groceries, uh, you know, paper or plastic is what I said all day uh, and, and walk people to their cars if they had, you know, too many things uh, and uh, so on. And then about, I don't know, a couple months into it, 
It's around three in the afternoon. I leave my apartment and I'm walking over to Albertsons and, you know, I got my polo shirt, you know, with my name tag uh, tucked in my black jeans. Um, and I see four police cars coming full speed. Um, and I'm super excited about it because I'm naive. I'm thinking I'm going to see some action, you know, something out of a movie. Um, and so I'm just standing by the side of the road like, uh-oh, what's about to happen? And the first car pulls in front of me, the second, the third, and the fourth. And one police officer draw his gun and... Oh, my God. I completely freeze and my heart is beating outside of my chest. My arms are in the air. My hands are in the air. My legs turn into noodles and you literally are asking yourself, is this it? And this is barely two months into coming to America and I stood there and I'm not moving uh, just 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 looking at him and the the police officer starts walking towards me and one of the things he said was we're not stopping you because you're black like I mean unsolicited comment for sure <laughs> and at that point I could care less I'm like I just want to know if I'm going to live or not uh, that's 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 my biggest concern. And uh, long story short, there was a lady that I don't know. Her purse got stolen, and I guess I fit the description according to what was shared. Um, that was my welcome uh, to America on the negative side, not on the positive side, for sure. Holy crap! Absolutely. And knowing what I know about the area. It's not surprising. It's disappointing that somebody would say that you fit a description in Ashland, Oregon is pure fiction <laughs> because literally we had two black kids at the high school. One of them graduated and then you transferred from Africa, keeping our ratio exactly the same. So I, you know, it's right. like that you would fit a description is totally BS. That's upsetting. And I can't imagine, like, hello, welcome to America. That's bonkers. Well, I mean, I uh, I grew up with a uh, Ubuntu philosophy. Um, Ubuntu is spelled U-B-U-N-T-U. And it's our common humanity, our interdependence. So what's wrong with Ashland? I am. What's right huh. with Ashland, I am. So therefore, it's the full human spectrum. I experienced it all. Um, I, I had amazing experiences in Ashland, Oregon. Met amazing people. I'm talking to one of them. Um, and so <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's the story of life. Um, and so your, my job is to amplify the good and work my tail off to mitigate the uh, unfortunate side of humanity. And so that's, you, you take that in context. Uh, you don't let such an experience paint uh, a picture for 
the entire region. I mean, I've had all sorts of stories. I mean, re remember, we had to get on these buses to go play uh, games, you know, <laughs> to places like Roseburg, oh, Grants right. Pass, Klamath Falls. Uh, I mean, so I have stories for days, uh, but, you know, in a way... <laughs> In right, because way. compared to those other towns, you know, Ashland is the liberal town amongst the, that collection of names of towns. And so in terms of open arms, you would have experienced theoretically a lot more of them at home. Yeah, well, it's a uh, it's a tapestry. This is life. Um, and and we're able to navigate both um, quite well. That's a beautiful way of describing that. Um, how did you process that moment? What how did you? How did you get, I mean, so you're two months in, it'd be very easy to jump to a conclusion about a t an entire town from a singular experience, which it sounds like there were more later. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you digest that? Listen, my, my uh, uh, silver bullet answer to everything is Ubuntu. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> okay. it. I don't have all any right. other answer. Uh, so it's all my dad um, helping me understand understand this before I even came to America, I was already prepared. Um, and in a way you understand how people are, how life is, how life works, uh, power structure, uh, people who um, amplify division and difference. And so you knew that you were gonna stand out and that's gonna create positive and negative experiences. Uh, but you don't lose your humanity in the process. So after that incident, I went in and I asked for just a little break to gather myself. Um, uh, and uh, my manager gave me that. And then later on, I told my dad about it and we talked it out. And then we made a trip down to the police station the next day um, to talk to the police chief about the incident. and how unfortunate it was. And, um, you know, I, I have a, a standard letter that's in a shoebox upstairs somewhere from that incident. Uh, but that, that, was, that was the experience. But it was, I'm happy that it happened early uh, because I was pretty much, I, I used it as a, as a case study for all the other things that happened later, but we don't have time for all that right now. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, well, Lou, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I don't know if that's a vulnerable share for you or not, because when you tell it, you tell it with such grace. So it's difficult to tell for me um, how vulnerable it is to share that. But I appreciate you sharing it nonetheless, because I think these, first of all, understanding other people's experiences in this country is uh a, a great way to expand one's understanding, right? Like my experience of Ashland was this way, this one specific sliver. Your experience right. was your specific sliver. You know, uh, anyone else in our class had their slivers of re their reality. And when you add them together, like you said, you get that tapestry of, of what life actually looked like at that time in that place. Yeah. And uh, full circle though, um just a few a few months back when the world was still normal uh and people interacted with one another oh. um oh the before times the way right. back days <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly um 
I, it was just a normal afternoon and I'm in my office working and my phone rings and it's my oldest son, uh, Yenga, um, who is um, calling me to tell me that uh, the school bus broke down and that he was going to walk with his friends the rest of the way home. And now that's a, just a normal phone call, but, um, you know, we, we live out in the Bethany Cornell area, Beaverton area, and uh, it's, a, it's a residential um, mm-hmm. walk, if you will. And Aiden, my heart just, just dropped. I was, I just, a sense of fear, uh, a sense of panic. Um, so I closed down the office, got in my car, and sped like crazy and uh, went through uh, his route and uh, the moment of relief to just see him. And mind you, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, get him all panicked about it. So I show up and, and I go, oh, hey, I was just in the neighborhood driving back. <laughs> just, just playing it cool. Oh, it just, yeah, just, just happened to be. Right. And, and so, hey, can I give you guys a lift? So I took him and all of his friends and I just went to drop him off. But that is just, it's, it's the trauma of our lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we just, uh, over the years, kind of, you know, develop a way to manage it. But it's always there. Um, and uh, so that's, 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 a, that's a constant that hopefully uh, maybe when my kids have kids, they won't have to deal with it. But for now, it's still as real as this conversation. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I don't really have anything to add to that that would be helpful. But other than my shared wishes and dreams and that we all carry a responsibility here, every single, I love this idea of Ubuntu, am I saying that? Yes, you said it right. Absolutely. I said it right. I love it. I think it makes perfect sense. Um, And it's fitting with how I was raised as well, that um, the idea that I was raised with was spaceship Earth, but that we're all on the same blue ball in the universe together. This idea that somehow we could get away from each other is so ridiculous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Ubuntu says that my humanity is bound up in yours for we can only be humans together. Um, no one wins or loses mm-hmm. in isolation. And, and therefore I need to see myself in you and I need to see you in myself. And when that happens, according to my grandpa, that's when you're truly human. And I think being human is a lost art and our job is to always try to remind people of it. Um, and uh, that, to me, is the answer to all of our um, challenges. Because we, we focus so much on our differences, even though genetic studies continue to show us that we're 99.9999999 the same. Yeah. And yet we put all of our effort in that uh, point one tenth of one percent that that's where we live and it drives us absolutely nuts 
and we completely ignore the 99.9 and Ubuntu reverses that uh, is the idea of appreciating what we have in common. And when we do that, it's a lot harder for me to have a uh, us versus them mentality. It's beautiful. So uh, looking forward, um, you know, a generation from now, two generations from now, like right. what changes would you love to see this country make? I don't have enough context to understand what changes uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo would need to go through. Um, mm -hmm. But feel free to paint a picture for me there as well. Like, mm -hmm. what would a beautiful future look like? Oh, I appreciate the question. Um, that's uh, the number one tragedy in this entire world. I don't care where you go. You can go to Guatemala. You can go to Brazil. You can go to India. You can go to the Congo or you can go to Portland, Oregon. The number one human tragedy is unrealized potential. That's the number one problem, no matter where you are on this planet. The, our, the gap between where we are and where we could be, that's the challenge that we have. And how do we close that gap? See, all of us, no matter where you go on this planet, no one has a monopoly on greatness. No one has a monopoly on love. No one has a monopoly on success. Everyone is born with an organic brilliance. But not everyone has the opportunity to showcase that. Not everyone has the chance to take that to a next level. So our job is literally to democratize opportunity. The American dream was created for a few, not for all. And so my vision, my goal is the same in America as it would be in any country, as it would be in the Congo. How do we democratize opportunity for all? That's it. So when I look at my Native American brothers and sisters, when I look at my Black brothers and sisters, when I look at my Hispanic brothers and sisters, when I look at, you know, uh, my LGBTQ community, when I look at uh, women in this country, when I look at people with disability in this country, these are all folks that we need to democratize opportunity for. So every chance we get uh, to even the playing field, that's really the call. And that's true here, and that's true anywhere around the world. If people want more of you, which I think they might, um, <laughs> how do they find you, Lou? Easy, easy. I'm easy like a Sunday morning. <laughs> so you go, you go, you go on Google and you type, you go on Google and you type Lou Raja and that's it. Uh, uh, my website is louraja.com or edukongo.org. Um, you know, just email me, call me. I'm, I'm easy. That's it. Um, final words of wisdom, Lou? Anything you want to leave people with as they... Uh, finish listening to this episode. Did I already talk about Ubuntu? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Did I? Did I? Did I? <laughs> did, I did I do that? I mean, Aiden, you help me out. I mean, I'm having amnesia. I don't know. I, yeah, you know, I think maybe. Oh, I'm such a broken record. Oh my god. Um... It's great. I I love it. Repeat, repeat until it lands. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, no, my uh, my 
challenge, and this is personal, so I'm, I'm part of this very challenge, um, is how do we live at the intersection of success and significance? And this is what happened uh, with the duality of my life growing up in the Congo and moving to America. What I found was in this country, um, the emphasis is always on success. You know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, the American dream, the corporate ladder, all of these things. And people work hard for that. But success without significance feels empty. Yes. And so you meet people who are basically asking themselves, is this it? Uh, why am I feeling this void? What is this emptiness coming from? And, and because there's no real meaning and purpose behind it. But then in the Congo and growing up in Africa, I saw a lot of people over-indexing on significance uh -huh. and purpose, which was great. But significance without success is not sustainable. Uh -huh. And so both of them suck. <laughs> and so, so how, how do you create a hybrid because success is about you taking the elevator to the top. Significance is about you sending it back down for others. And that's where you find meaning. So how do you create a hybrid? That's why my mantra is be more, give more. Be more is about success. Give more is about significance. So my goal in life is to always bridge those two. And if that's something um, your audience can, can, can use as well, the better. Well, I think they can. And if they can't, I certainly will. So thank you. And thank you for spending time with me today, telling these stories and sharing your thoughts. Um, I, I see why you are such an inspiration to so many. And I am very excited to be able to share you with my listeners. Well, listen, we met in Ashland, Oregon. Okay. <laughs> this is way back in the days. Um, and then here we are all these years later <laughs> communicating and using this platform to try to make a difference. So I'm grateful to you for providing the platform, for inviting me and this opportunity to chat. So thank you. Thank you, Lou. Ubuntu, I am because we are. Thank you, Lou. Life is a tapestry. Our limited views of the whole of human experience add up to one full picture. And without that collective perspective, we are essentially guessing about what is happening. Lou's stories of coming to Ashland, Oregon in the 90s are completely different from my experience there. But his story doesn't take away from what I knew growing up. In fact, it's the opposite. Catching a glimpse of his experience through listening to his stories simply adds to our shared tapestry. As we move through life, the challenges, the opportunities, the successes, the tragedies, it is really easy to be consumed with our own self-oriented view of the world. And that makes perfect sense, of course. I mean, it's your ears, your eyes, your brain processing everything that you encounter. But if we can remember that our experiences individually only account for the tiniest view of humanity on planet Earth, perhaps we will be more inclined to stretch, to reach, to listen, and to seek to understand a few other perspectives so we can widen our view just that little bit more. 
And if we can remember that we're all connected, then those of us who are driven smart enough or simply lucky enough to ride the elevator to the top of success, we can then be more, give more, send that elevator back down so someone else can ride. Check out Lou Raja at BeMoreGiveMore.com. And if you're inspired by this episode, share it with a friend so they can be inspired too. Thank you for listening or watching the Change Podcast. Uh, Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review so other people can find us. You'll be able to find the show notes for this episode at thechangepodcast.com. I'm Aiden Nippon. Thank you for listening. I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about. Thank you.